Hello. I want to share with you on today, instead of continuing on with it, the ignorance of sexual violence, I want to share a testimony with you. Uh, first of all, from brokenness to wholeness, is an outreach, faith-based, transformational, radical movement to help victims of sexual and domestic violence. So I want to share a testimony with you from one of our clients uh, four years ago when I reached out to her to invite her to our then monthly meeting. The first time I reached out, she just know that she did not care to go. But I called again the next month. The next month, she declined to go. She said that she was already with a counselor. She has seen a psychiatrist. And I told her, well, I was neither, not a counselor, I've studied counseling, and not a psychiatrist. But she still didn't want to go. So when I reached out yet again, while I was talking and sharing with her some of the things that goes on in the meeting, and she agreed to go. I guess she thought, well, let me go and see what this is about. So her husband brought her over because she had lost her ability to drive. She could no longer drive because of the trauma from the sexual violence which she had suffered. She said to me that she was violated, sexually violated, at least 40 times. She said she stopped counting. It started around the age of three. So she came on to the meeting, came in, and we sat and listened to others share their story about what they had gone through, the trauma and pain that they had suffered. So after a while, her hand went up because she wanted to speak. And I reminded her and said, no, you don't have to say anything. She said, but I want to. And she has this most beautiful, rich grin. She said, I want to. And so I said, but you don't have to. She said, but I want to. So I went to the other side of the table where she was sitting, and I got in her, I got in her ear. And I told her, I said, now you don't have to, you don't have to talk. She said, I know, but I want to. So she did talk, and talk she did. I thought later that we needed one of those trash can, garbage can outside, that you get it ready to roll it out for the workers to pick it up. Because she talked for a solid hour. There were tears. There was tears on top of tears from the ones that was there. And she talked and she talked. And when she finished, she was finished. One of a testimony that I don't know if you can take it or not. So after then, she continued to come to the meetings. Um, as I said earlier, she had lost her ability to drive. She at one time could drive. But the trauma and the pain, the impact of the trauma and the pain had made her disabled. She not only was disabled in her 30s, she was also on disability. 
So she began to come to the meeting and I began to mentor, spiritually mentor, with her five days a week, sometimes six days, for at least two and a half to three hours at a time. And she was good to talk to anyway, and she shared things with me. And she began to share with me that she was feeling better. She said, I know I'm not whole yet. She was said, but I'm 20 or 25%. I said, well, that's okay. I said, you're going to be whole when we get through with you. So we continue to, I continue to mentor with her. We actually started one August, uh, about mid-August 2015. So we continue, she continued to come to the meetings, we'll go to lunch, we'll go sit by the river, anywhere that she was comfortable at, or I would do it from wherever I was, by phone. It has the same power, the power does not change. And she always told me that, and she named me, she named me Mama Thelma. Mama Thelma, I'm not there yet, but I'm 45%. She returned to her counselor about two months after she had been with us. And she said to her counselor, I have been with you all for two years, and you've done nothing for me. And I have been with Mama Thelma over two months, and she's done everything for me. I told her, girl, you can't tell those people that those people have their degrees. She said, well, I told them. She said she was in search of bad shape. She said some counselors didn't want to serve her anymore. So they would transfer somewhere else. When she hit the door, she said she would go in and say, I don't even know why I'm here today because y'all not doing anything for me. I said, honey, I would have sent you out of my office. So I continued to mentor with her. She continued to come to the meeting to share with other uh, new people's coming in, resources, other resources were coming into the meeting. And she got to the place where she was about 50 or 60%. She said, I'm 50%, 50 to 60% there. So I had a meeting with her one day. And I said to her, I said, um, you need to surrender. You need to surrender all to God. You need to surrender all. And I gave her the words to say. And she said the words. And when she finished, I think both 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 of our eyes was closed while she was talking. And when she finished, I looked over at her. And I said to her, we sat there a while. Then I said to her, you don't look the same. She says, I don't feel the same. We're totally different. She looked totally different. So I didn't even understand myself because we hadn't been long started this this movement. I didn't even fully understand myself what had happened to her and what the gift had 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 to do with it. That that's in me. So we continue, and she continued to get whole and whole and whole. She got down to when she was about eighty or eighty-five percent. I love it because she's smart. She knew where she were at all times, like she had never been whole before. She got to the 85%, and she would let me know, Mama Thelma, I'm not a whole yet, but I'm at 85%. I said, don't worry. Everything going to be all right. You're going to be whole. 
She shared with me one day that the day that I got in touch with her and invited her to the third meeting she came to, she said, I was just fixing to commit suicide. She said, I had my gun and I had my pills. She said, I told myself that you are so stupid. She said, because I had tried two times before and I couldn't do it. She said to myself, you're so stupid. You can't even kill yourself, right? She said, but this time, you called me. She said, I was getting ready to do it. I told her, oh my goodness. So we continue on. You asked me, well, what was I doing? Inspiring her, empowering her, encouraging her with a gift in me. What? The gift? work. It works. The gift of holiness that's in me work. So finally we reached to the place where she said she was 95%. That was on a Wednesday. She said, I'm not quite there, Mama Thelma, but I'm 95%. I said, okay. That 95%, that 5%, you're going to be, you're going to achieve that. So as she moved forward, she called me the next morning, right after 8 o'clock, and that was early. And she was crying, and I said, what's wrong? What's the matter? And she said to me, the Lord told me that I had to forgive my mother. She said, once I forgive my mother, I will be whole. And she shared with me what she had to forgive her mother for. She said her mother, every time she go to her mother to talk about it, her mother didn't want to talk about it. And her mother would get upset with her. And so she said the Lord told her she would have to forgive her mother because she didn't know what her mother was dealing with at that time herself. She said, so I forgave my mother. She said, I am 100% whole. This child couldn't even drive you all. She knew how, but because of the trauma, she lost her way. She said she would leave just a little piece from home, and she would call her mother and tell her mother that she was lost. Her mother would ask her, what do you see in front of you? What do you see on the side? Because she and her mother live in the same state, same city. So her mother would say, I'm on my way. I know where you are. I'm on my way. And her mother had to come and get her. So about the third meeting, her husband didn't come pick her up because she drove herself. And she came in, grinning, and she said, I drove today myself. And I said, you did what? She said, I drove myself. So when, when the meeting was over, we was going to help her go home. We was going to follow her to make sure she was all right. She went on off and left us and waved out, of, out the window. And she shared with me one time, <clears throat> excuse me, that when her husband was picking her up, when she got in the vehicle with him, she laid her head back on the seat and she took her left hand and placed it on his arm. And so when she placed her hand on his arm, she said, he said, get your hand off me. Your hand is hot. What are you all doing in those meetings? 
And she said she just started laughing and laughing. She laughed and she went to sleep. She slept until she got home. I'm, I am sharing the truth with you. This actually happened. And four years later, it doesn't come back. When you move from brokenness to wholeness, it doesn't come back. She says right today, she said, I, 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 I feel like I've never been raped in my life. And I know she was raped a lot of times. If you had seen her when I saw her, you would have known that she was raped too. She looked like she was carrying a load. I don't even know how she made it. That was one of the testimonies I wanted to share with you all as we uh, continue on this journey. Thank you for listening. I will be back again to bring more powerful testimony. There are more. Thank you. Good morning. How are you? How's everyone doing? This is Thelma again. And on this podcast, I was going to share some more about sexual violence. It is so big and so not known. Not enough knowledge, not enough awareness. So I'll go back and share that later on, as I promised. But today I'm going to share on suicide. Because it seems to be so much of it is happening nowadays. Back in the day when I came up over 50 years ago, hardly you heard about it. 60 years ago, you didn't hear about it at all. So if it was happening, we didn't know anything about it. But it seems to be so widespread now. Children, adults, famous people, people that are not, married people, single people, church people, law enforcement, um, offenders. I mean, everyone is doing it. But I'm going to share where I was over, um, what, almost 60 years ago. I was suicidal, and I could not understand it. I had no knowledge about it, did not know where to seek knowledge. Plus, in my little mind, my thoughts were my business. But I'm going to share something with you today about those thoughts. Thoughts are very deadly, and they have taken a lot of people out of out of uh, the earth because you think it's just your thoughts not so there's an evil spirit that has made it way into your thoughts this is what we say we call them negative thoughts you can put that name on it for niceness but when you finish it's about an evil spirit whether you believe in them or not at the age of 16 I was sexually violated, raped. I was what you call the good girl. From the country, there we moved to the city. I didn't know anything about dating. I had zero knowledge 
about rape, sexual assault, suicide. They didn't teach that in the uh, Delta part of the country where I came from. They didn't. They didn't teach that. The only thing I remember my mother telling my sister and I as we were growing up, she would say, I want you all to keep yourselves because one day you will have a husband. So keep yourself, save yourself for your husband. So I thought, okay, well, I can do that. No problem. Because I didn't have any wildness in me whatsoever. So, no problem. I would do that. But in the book I hope to have come out soon, I have a note in there to my mother. And I says to her, Mama, you told us to keep ourselves, but you never did tell us that there was a rapist out there that might change that or may try to change it. So, a lack of knowledge is... It leaves you with no weapon. You don't have a weapon to fight with. If I had a, had some knowledge about it, I would have known this is fight time. What is he trying to do to me? This is fight time. But I had nothing. So I could only fight a little because I had nothing to fight with. That's why I'm really down on parents teaching their children from the home on sexual violence, let nobody else teach them because by law, they can only teach so much at school. Something they can't say. And the responsibility is not on the education system anyway. The responsibility is on the parents because a lot of time the offender is in the family. He in the home, biological father. They're in the home. The uncle stand with his sister. They're in the home and have access to that child. But if you don't have any knowledge in that child, they don't have anything to fight with. And don't just share it with them one time. Talk about it in the home at least once a week because children and young people have a tendency to lose knowledge that does not seem to be important to them. Anyway, let me go on and share uh my uh, true story. I call it Let the Truth Be Told. I, it was one August, Sunday evening in August, about mid-August, around about the 18th of August. The date was set up. I, I knew little to nothing about him. Someone introduced, uh, so I knew little to nothing hardly about him. So it was supposed to be a movie date. He picked me up from home. My mother and father were sitting on the porch, and he came. He introduced himself. Oh, rape is it? It can be polite now. Don't 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 get it wrong. He can be polite. So he introduced introduced himself to my parents, and uh, then we went on our way. I thought he was eighteen years old, but I found out later that he was older. But I thought he was eighteen. And I knew I just had a birthday that July to take me to 16. So it took me away to an area where I was unfamiliar with because we had only been in this city two years. So I was not familiar with this area. So I thought maybe he was going to do something that he needed to do. Not so. He took me to the area and he parked. 
And there, he didn't say anything. He started fondling, and I started pushing his hand back. And it went on and went on and went on. Anyway, at that time, believe it or not, I was small in stature. And he was muscular. So he won. I returned home. He took me right back home. Didn't say anything. Didn't ask me if I wanted anything to eat. No, he had accomplished his mission. The enemy in him had accomplished his mission. Uh, you know, his mission. So he took me right back home. Right back. You're talking about right back? Right back. Almost within the same hour. My mom and my dad were still sitting on the on, on the porch. So I stepped up to, you know, walk on the porch. My mom said, mm, you're back mighty quick. And I go, mm. So I went on to in the house and went in my room and changed my clothes. And started a life as a victim. Just that quick. So I thought it was over. I thought I had no information about it. I didn't even really know what he had did to me. Let me be honest with you. I didn't have a name on it at that time. Only later, much later, when I would get some information about it, there I could put the name. This guy raped me. What? This guy raped me. This clown, let me say that, raped me. So as I moved on in my life, I was a very unhappy young lady. Very, very unhappy. But I couldn't put my finger on it. Rape messed up your goal, your aspiration. It's just so deadly. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. Why they still talking about it. Why don't they let that go? They can't let it go. There is a wound through that act that has been placed on the soul. They can go get counseling. That will help. That helped them to release it. But that wound that's on their soul is a spiritual thing. Most of them accept the counseling and go on and feel like they're well. But still, that they can't put their finger on it. They can't put their finger on what's, what's the matter with them. But they remember that they weren't like that before the rape happened. So, so, or I went in life, very unhappy young lady, attractive young lady, but very unhappy. Uh, I watched the ways, because uh, sexual violence confuses you, leave a confusion behind. And you go ways that you would have never gone in your life. Because I was raised so good, you know, church and everything. I mean, we was raised to the mat. But, I, I grew up, went to school some, and then I got married at 21. And I think we separated about uh, about 23 years old, 24. I just didn't want to be in that. So once we separated, I had a child, and I went on my way, and he went his way. And I thought I was okay, but I was not okay at all. I was very ill, but I didn't know it. I had no clue. Enter on into my late 20s, going on with life, go to school, work, going on with... But the happiness, the happiness that one deserves in this life, I didn't have that. So the suicide thoughts kicked in about, let's say about 28 
years old. And it got stronger as I went on. Just every day. It's just in your mind every day. And telling you lies like nobody loves you. And I believe that lie. Your mother don't love you. This is not your home. You're not supposed to be here. They're talking about you. They don't even like you. Just a conversation going on in your thoughts every day. And you don't know how to deal with that. So me being this secret, secretive person as I was, I just kept it to myself. I didn't share it with nobody. I just kind of moved along in life. Not really putting any stakes down anywhere. Just, just moving along. Hey, let's say this. I was just existing. But the most important thing to me were my son. Had a beautiful son. And as the suicidal thoughts came, I I, I, I would say, I gotta, I gotta be here for my son. Because his daddy wasn't in place like he should have been. So I said, I gotta be here for my son. I want to raise my son. And I want to raise him right. A handsome boy he was. I want to raise him right. I want to be here. But the thoughts kept coming. And helping me out in something I didn't want to be helped out in. Uh, you can get so-and-so to uh, raise him. They, they See, they raise their children good. And they, they'll raise him. They'll treat him just like, you know, just like they treat their children. And I thought about that. That thing gives you all the information to do. It feeds you with information. Say, um, ask that family. If something happened to you, don't tell them that you're thinking of killing yourself. Just ask them, if anything happened to you, will they take care of your son? So I did just that. I asked the mother, the wife first, and she said, sure, we'll take care of him. And she told me, she said, ask my husband. So I went and asked her husband, if anything happened to me, Will you all take care of my son? And they said, oh, yeah, we got him. We got him. We'll take care of him. We got him. Okay, I had that. I had that going on. Everything that you need when you're trying to keep from committing suicide, the answer always comes to you in your mind. It's what you can do. But it's all a lie. It is all a lie. And I remember... Uh, that that thing really worked on not being loved. No, nobody love you. Your mama don't love you. Look how she treat the other children better than she did you. She did this for the other children. She did that for the children because I had sisters and brothers. But she never did it for you. She don't even want to be around you. She does not love you. She does not like you. Nobody loves you. So, you know. I would go on. I was so miserable, you all. People that are suicide, suicidal are miserable. They are miserable. If they get enough courage to tell you that they're thinking about killing themselves, believe them. But that's also a cry for help. That's also a cry. Listen to them. Listen to them. And reach out and say, have you thought about seeing a counselor? Have you thought about talking to someone? How, why you feel like that? Listen to them. Show them love. They are miserable. It is the most horrible place to be in your life. While your life, 
lapse between death and life. It is horrible, you all. If you never had the thoughts, consider yourself blessed. It is so horrible. Listen to them. Listen to them. And for they feed off of love. They feed off of love now. But that love has to be genuine. It has to be genuine, you all. It has to be genuine. They can feel. They'll know if you really love them. Never tell them, hey, you need to go somewhere and get yourself together. Don't say that. You may be sending them home, and they may put a gun to their head and end it all. Love is how you're going to get them. Love. Love. Remember, love. Show them love. They have gotten to the place, if they say it, they have gotten to the place where it doesn't make any difference anymore. Because that lie just about has an answer for everything that's talking in their mind, in their thoughts. That lie will bring another lie on top of that lie, on top of that lie. And to you, because you're sick, it makes sense to you. It is just to get out of this world. I remember once I looked at a picture on TV and the 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 star in the picture actress was named Bernadette. And I don't even know now what it was about, but anyway, she was told that this is not her home. So I picked that up for myself in my mind. That 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 that, that evil spirit would say, This not your home. You don't even belong here. You're not even wanted here. People don't like you. Your mother, work with that mother. Work with that mother now, you all. Work with that mother. Your mother doesn't like you. You might as well go ahead on. And would tell me how to do it. Would tell me. But I couldn't turn my child loose. I couldn't, the love I had for my child. But I think just about, as I went on, this everyday thing. It's everyday and every night thing. It's in the thoughts. You go to sleep with it in the thoughts. You wake up. It doesn't, it torments you. It doesn't give you any rest in your mind. You don't have any rest. I was taking nerve pills. I think I was taking value. 10 milligram at that time. Still couldn't sleep. Suffering from insomnia. Suffering from all the symptoms of sexual violence. But I didn't make the connection. Because of a lack of knowledge, I didn't make the connection that this was caused about what happened to me. So one day, a young lady came my way, and she just took a liking to me. Uh, I was in school taking up some courses. So I went to this bank. She told me to come to the bank and put an application in to work there. I didn't see the work of the Lord in my life at that time. So I went on, and I got hired at the bank. She loved me. She just literally loved me, and she was so good to me. She was so good. She showed her love. She didn't say it a lot with her mouth, but she showed her love to me. So finally, she invited me to church. She did. And I didn't want to go because I had said I went to church so much when I was young that when I got grown, I wasn't going to no one church. Listen at that stupid decision. Just listen. And I carried it out because... The evil force knew that if I said anything in my thoughts, if I thought something, 
I was going to carry it out. That's why he could gear my mind toward suicide. And then, I, and another thing, I kept my word. So if I said I was going to do it, I was going to keep my word to myself. See how sick that is? I was going to keep my word to myself. And I was going to do it. Okay. But I went to church with her. A nice little church. Mm-hmm. Nice little church. I, because that seemed to be the only thing that made her happy is that I go to church with her. So she picked me up because I didn't have a car at that time. Went to church with her. And then I thought she was going to quit. She asked me again to come back and go to church with her again. And I went again. So now I guess I'm warming up a little. I'm warming up a little. So I got ready to leave that night. My pastor wife always just hug everybody, show people love that come in. Oh, she showed so much love. So she reached for me going down the aisle, and she hugged me. And while she was hugging me, I said something that I don't remember saying before in my life, that I don't remember asking anybody something like that. I remember saying it. I said, will you pray for me? She said, I sure will. I know she prayed. That night, I didn't sleep good. But the only thing that was on my mind was Jesus. The only thing that was on my mind all night long was Jesus. That never happened before. So I went on trying to make my mind up to still do it. But one Sunday when I went to church, the pastor asked the visitors if they would like to stay and have a word to say. So I jumped my little self up and gave my name, you know, to tell us, tell them who we are. And I gave my name as to who I was. But then I said something that I did not intend to say you all. I tell you all, 40, over 40 years later, I did not intend to say what I said. I had no intention for that to come out of my mouth. I said this. I said, I don't want to die. And I didn't. And my pastor, who's my pastor now, said, you don't have to die. Jesus came to give us life. And life eternity. You don't have to die. That broke something. It broke something. I didn't understand what was going on. But it broke something. So I went on. And I joined the church. I did. The people was showed a lot of love. So I joined the church. When I joined the church, and then I got baptized. I need to be baptized and baptized right. So I got baptized. When they took me down in that water, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and I came up with the tongues of new creatures, December the seventh, I was I was celebrating forty years of being free from that suicidal spirit. Forty years, it never came back any more. Never. Now it may not happen like that for everybody, 
but it never came back any more in my thoughts to remind me to commit suicide. And by the way, the way I was going to do it, I I called myself, wanted my son to have my insurance money. But if I had did it that way at that time, he wouldn't have got anything except maybe a little something from the government. I was going to jump off the bridge. I was going to jump off this bridge here, uh, the Mississippi. I was going to jump in that river. If you are suicidal today, will you please promise me that you will talk to someone? Because you are loved. You are loved. I found out after then, I found out things I didn't even know. Actually, I was overloved. People loved me that I thought they couldn't stand me. Because I had a little nasty attitude now. I did. And I thought they couldn't stand me. People, I found out that people loved me and they was crazy about me. And my life has taken off. That's why I'm here now to try and help those that are contemplating suicide. Before I close, let me say a prayer for potential suicidal people. The thoughts of suicide. Contemplating suicide. I'm going to say this prayer for you today. Lord, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for this grand opportunity to reach out to your people. Some people are suffering so bad today. And you see them and you want to help them. I pray that through this prayer that you would strengthen them. That you would give them courage. That you would give them peace. That you would take the pain away and put the peace in the mind. No one knows how to do this except you. If you didn't know how to do it, I wouldn't even call on you to do this. You're omnipresent. You know everything. You see everything. Even though, as my daughter say, of the billion of people that you have in this world, you are able to aid them all at the same time because you are bigger than the universe. So I pray that you will help potential victims of suicide. Take that mind and take those thoughts out of that mind. In the name of Jesus. You can do it. I'm depending on you to do it. And I'm looking to hear from some of these people that this prayer helped them. And that this person will will pass it on to the next person. And the next person will pass it on. That there is help for where I am. The name of our, our movement is From Brokenness to Wholeness. And I'm so proud to say it does just what it 
said it will do. From brokenness moves you from brokenness to wholeness. Do it for them, Lord. Strengthen them. Strengthen them. Give them courage to come forth and tell what happened to them. Because suicide is always connected with some type of pain. Trauma, pain, rape. Most of the time, it's rape. Thank you so much for listening. Pass it on to someone you know. I can be found on Facebook. You'll find me under From Brokenness to Wholeness or Thelma H. Snipe, S-N-I-P-E. Let me know how you're doing and let me know if you want help with that pain that you're suffering from. I'm going to give you some directions and I'm going to help you myself. Thank you so very much. Have a good day. Bye now. Hello. I'm going to share with you about some information about domestic violence. It seems to be on the rise and it's deadly. When I finish this podcast, you will know more than you ever heard in your life. Because sometimes knowledge as such as this and sexual violence People don't seem to go after it like they do other knowledge. But everyone should know something about domestic violence and about sexual violence or sexual assault, sexual abuse, whatever you may want to call it. Every family needs to be empowered with the information that is available because these things will happen. They have already happened before, and they will continue to happen, I think, until there's no longer a world. There are some hidden things about domestic violence that you really don't know about, because I wouldn't know about it if I had not been working in the work that I'm doing now. This movement... uh, The work that I put in has empowered me so much with knowledge, awareness, and I'm grateful. I am grateful. First of all, domestic violence is very sneaky. It's very, very sneaky, you all. Please believe me, it's very sneaky. Uh, Domestic violence, relationship violence, you're not married to them. Domestic is you are married. Are very sneaky. When it first starts off, it starts as, I just met the best guy that I ever met in my life. And I know God sent him to me because I've been praying. Don't put that on God. You're going to find out that God did not send him to you. And the way it starts, it starts with the mind first. Way before the blows start, it starts with the mind. They're very deceptive. 
and they're very manipulative, extremely, like a pro. They start out buying you anything you think you want. All you got to do is think you want it. And all if you mention it, then you have it. It's yours. I don't care if that purse is on sale for $400. And you've been watching that purse. You know that purse was $599. If that's what you want, that's what you get, baby. Because nothing is too good for you. I have never met anyone like you in my life. And I'm already falling for you. I don't, I don't want to rush you. Because you may not feel as I do. But I, I, I know that I'm already falling for you. And I just hope one day you feel the same way. Take you to the best places for dinner, breakfast, all in your phone, all in your ear, so many times a day. And they already love you after about a month of meeting you. They already love you. They know they're in love. They've never been in love before, but they know they, that you are the one. That they're in love with. And there is nothing. That they will not do for you. Just say it. Mm-hmm. You are just for me. I hope one day that we can make. This go a step further. Want to go to dinner tonight? All right. After a while, it gets to the place where he doesn't like some of your friends. Or he doesn't too much like some of your family member. Because he doesn't want you to be close to them anymore. He will slowly pull you away from your family and your friends. Because here's the thing. If you stay around family and friend a lot, Someone going to recognize that there's something going on with this dude here. Now, that's the way people talk. Dude got something, dude got something going on. And I, I can't put my finger on it, and he knows. See, I'm going to tell you right now, it's an evil spirit in there. And that evil spirit was sent to kill you. Because that's all the enemy does. That's all he come for, to t- steal, kill, and to destroy. And he has to carry that mission out. So, he liked the children. He good to the children. He picked the children up. Do what you say. Do. Slowly, he's pulling you just to himself. Just you are enough for him. This is the relationship that he only can dream of because he never thought that he would have someone like you. They can't believe it. Now he knows he can't live without you. I don't want to rush you, but I want to make you mine because you are my life. You are the breath that I breathe. 
I can't live without you. I can hardly do my job anymore because my mind is on you. I'm just giving you a little bit now. A lot of time they pick pretty nice looking women. Then sometimes they don't. Or either they'll pick someone who knows how to fix themselves up and look nice. They will sit outside where you live and you don't even know they're out there. They're sitting out there watching. Because now he's still working with your mind. When he gets through beautifying you with his words, oh, you're going to fall. Because what? You know it's God. No, you don't. No, it's not. And I want you to tell your friends about this podcast. Because you're not going to see this written exactly as I said it here. I work in this. I work in it. So, he's still just wooing you. Just anything you want. What you want for Christmas, baby? You need to tell me now because I want to get you everything that you want. Then may buy you a ring. May buy you a ring. Okay? And then you get married. Oh, the beat goes on. On your wedding night, he may slap you across the room. And you don't even know what happened. And he'll tell a lie. He will tell you a lie. I saw you looking at him and I saw him looking at you. And it's the way he was looking at you. And you go, what nobody looking at me? Then he called you that name. There's a name that they can call you. That you know you're dealing with the pure enemy. And I'm going to tell you that name. I'm not going to say it because I don't say it. But I'm going to give you five alphabets. Five. Oh, he can call that name so good. You figure out the name that he can call you. If he hadn't already called you that. And then he calmed down. Because you're holding the side of your face now. He's so sorry that he did this. He he just don't know what got into him. He's so sorry. Can you forgive? I just don't want to lose you. Before I kill you. I just don't want to lose you. I can't lose you because I can't live without you. Please don't ever leave me. If you do, I'm going to kill you. Please don't ever leave me. I can't make it without you, baby. You're my all in all, and I'm just so afraid. I've been hurt before. I'm just so afraid that somebody's going to take you from me. Then they'll go buy you another gift. Take you to dinner, send you flowers because they sorry. They're so sorry as to what they did. So life goes on, so you think, so you think. Things are good for a while. Then you ask him, 
you fix before you fix dinner, you ask him what he want to uh what he want to eat. He tells you anything that you want to fix, baby. Anything that you want to eat, anything you fix. And you fix his favorite. And he comes home. And you begin to place the food on the table so you all can eat. And he hit that table and knocked that plate off that table. You go, what's wrong? Shut up. There come that five-letter word. That's that five-letter word. Shut up. Who in the sun so you think want this junk? But that's your that's your favorite. Then I tell you to shut up. There come that word again. That word is fixing to come out. That word comes out. With your dumb, ignorant, stupid. You the most stupid. There come that word. Did I ever see? And you just a crowd. You don't know what's going on. You just a crowd. What is wrong? Shut up. There go that word. I knock your so-and-so head off. But I... You... There go that word. How to kill you. Uh-oh. Believe him. When that word come out, believe him, believe him, please, please, please believe him. Finally, he calmed down because he has a boss on the inside of him telling him that's enough right now. That's enough. So now you are concerned. He calmed down. Take you to dinner the next evening. You don't have to cook because he shouldn't have acted like that with you. You don't have to cook, baby. Uh, I'll pick you up and take the car home and we go on to dinner. Where do you want to go? You're like, oh, I finally got it back. Here he come. Has your pretty little bracelet that he saw you looking at at the jewelry store. He's brought that bracelet. And he's going to give that bracelet to you because he's so sorry. Please forgive him. Please forgive him. Don't leave me. Whatever you do, baby, don't leave me. Because if you do, I'm going to kill you sooner. I'm just putting it in the background what's in his mind. All the relationship continue on. And you realize you haven't been spending much time with your family. Your friends are texting you, emailing you. Messaging you, what's, girl, you ain't even answer my, I, I sent you a message last, me, last week. You ain't even answer. You just done got that fella and you just all into him. Hey, you don't forget about friends and family. I am so sorry, girl. I am so sorry. This man of mine, I don't know what I'm going to do to him. Well, he knows what he's going to do to you. I, I just don't, I don't know. He is something fierce. I can't wait to show you my bracelet. Mm-hmm. It is so pretty. And oh, you hadn't seen this last purse he bought me. Caught those sale $499 at Macy's or Dillard's. Oh, Lord and Taylor. What? When can we have lunch? Um, let's, let's do it tomorrow. Let's do it tomorrow. So lunch, 
you go to lunch with the friend. He happened to call because he called anyway. She had to keep up with you. And you tell him, I'm in lunch with Brenda. You at what? I'm in lunch with Brenda. Oh, okay. But oh, wait till you get home. Here come that word. Five letter word. I can't say it. I won't say it. It is time for you to wisely, prayerfully, to back out of that thing without him even knowing it. It's not going to get any better. Because he's on a mission, and the mission is to kill you. But now he don't work with that man. He don't work with that man. You're in deeper than you think you are. You need to come up with an idea of how you're going to get away from him. Because you've told him all your business. Women tell me in all the business. You've told him all your business. He has some information. He knows your friends. He knows your family. But he's not going to be around, around them too much. He's not going to be around them too much. Because someone going to be able to pick him out and say, it is something going on with that dude. I don't know what it is. So don't think you're going to pray and pray that the Lord would do this. <laughs> oh, my God. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because he was sent to kill you. The best thing for you to do, if there's any children, is to clear out of there and let nobody know where you are. There are agencies in your city, in your state, that can hide you out. They can, you have to go with, with what you got on. Leave that stuff there. Go with what you got. You say, well, I got a job. Get your job somewhere else. They will help you. There are agencies that you can go to. He cannot find you. He cannot find you. He cannot. Because they're going to keep moving you around. You're going to keep moving around. Not in the same city. That you're in. I know the children in school. Everything is already answered when you reach out to one of these agencies that works in domestic violence. Everything that you can come up with, every every thought you may have. Well, what about this? Well, what about that? And they're gonna change. They're gonna take your phone. That's one thing. They're gonna take your phone and give you a phone that no one knows the number, but you. And if you call, then someone else has it. There is a way out. You see the sign. The sign is not going to change. No matter how much you hope. No matter how much you talk to your friend. No matter how much you go talk to this person, that person. You need to get out. If you planned on living. You got to make a decision of whether you want to live or whether you want to die. Your decision will depend on 